0: It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? But what happens if you can't find your village because raising your child is really, really tough? What if you are so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there and it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast, On The Hard Days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on The Hard Days. So I'm here with Kelly Edwards. Thank you so much first of all for being here today. I'm really excited. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's jump
1: in. Tell me a little bit about you and your family. Okay. Um well, my husband and I have adopted all of our children. I guess straight out of the gateway that's part of our story and that's kind of feeds into the neurodiversity obviously. Um so uh he and I we got married and um planned on having biological children, and were open to adoption and then biological children didn't happen for us, and so we were looking into all the ways that you can adopt children and um I kept not feeling right about it, and I'd always sort of been interested in foster care, and my husband was not. But it was, you know, through going um, and learning more about foster care that we both felt a sense of peace. So that is how we have adopted our children. They're all through the foster care system. uh, And we live in West Virginia here in the United States. So um, what's interesting about any kind of adoption is there's just just because of the nature of adoption, their separation from the biological family, whether that's at birth, whether that's later on, it is a separation which causes trauma. And trauma is one of the things that causes neurodivergency um, because uh, you can be neurodivergent genetically, which we have going on also. And then you can also have it from environmental effects and trauma is one of them. And so um, all three of our children are neurodiverse. Um, they also have a uh, trauma can show up differently too. Like sometimes people think like, um, sensory processing disorder or like ADHD is, um, what's going on, but it might just be trauma. Um, so most kids, um, in the foster community, um, at large and probably also in the, but I don't have personal experience with that, with like non-foster care adoptions, um, have reaction attachment disorder, which kind of runs the gamut of it's a, like, everything's a spectrum. Um, So we definitely have that in our home too. So we've got like PTSD, we've got a reaction attachment disorder in our home. Um, we have ADHD, we have PDA. Um, I'm trying to think like, um, (laughs) if we have anything else, Oh, and anxiety. So that's kind of the, the letters we have rolling around in our family soup. Yeah. So, um, my kids are 14, eight and four, all girls. And, um, so that's a little bit about us and our family. <laughs> I don't know if you wanted some more information or.
0: Oh, I mean, I mean, whatever you're comfortable sharing. My my quick question for you is how much did you know about all of these letters and all of these neurodivergent things before you had your children?
1: Uh, that's such a good question. That's a really good question. I don't know that I knew anything really, except, you know, what you hear about from, you know, maybe watching an late night news program or talking to someone else who has something like that. But you know, me personally, I didn't have any of that. Um I, I have anxiety Um, but I, you know, and who knows, like, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, should I get myself diagnosed? (laughs) Um, I was in the gifted program growing up. So there's sometimes that two E thing going on, you know, with giftedness, and then you might have, you know, something that you're working through. So, um, yeah, but I, I really wasn't very literate. Um, we got some training in our foster care training about some of this, especially the trauma part, um, and you know, we have ongoing uh, training hours that we have to meet to maintain our certification. But yeah, I really didn't know much about it. And throughout this entire journey, I've become quite the expert. And in fact, that's where my business comes into it because it's it's the outflow of necessity because I was just beating my head against the wall trying to figure out how to reach my kids and, um, and feeling very isolated and getting all the, oh, well, you know, um, that's just how six-year-olds are. Yeah, Mm -hmm. no, that's not, that's not, I don't think that's true. Did (laughs) you go through,
0: (laughs) no, it's not helpful at all. I've had that all the time. Did you go through a period before you fully understood them as neurodivergent, but after, but after you realized that something was a little amiss, even though you had been kind of talked to about, you know, what trauma looks like and, but still, did you get go through that period where we were like, is this is this normal? Is this from trauma? Is this because I'm parenting in a weird
1: way? Always questioning. Yes. I, I feel like I'm still doing that. I feel like, you know, I can't help but to constantly be trying to filter through things and and asking, like, what's the why underneath this behavior or this or that? I think a that's kind of being human and being a parent, but also because <laughs> you're always you know, wondering how best can I help myself? How best can I help my child? Um, yeah, I definitely am still doing that,
0: yeah. A lot of moms that I talk to, including myself, were unable to separate my our children's struggles from how we felt about ourselves as moms and mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you went through that piece of it where um it, it it's it's still really hard. If our kid is having a really tough time, it's like, what am I doing wrong? And I now feel bad about myself because of it. Like, it's hard for me to just matter of factly continue on with the day when I'm feeling like a bad mom because my kid is having such a hard time. Um, and that, that really, I think that's why a lot, a lot of um, people listen to this podcast specifically. They are moms who are struggling. Their kids are struggling, but they are struggling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I, I get that too. Uh, did you struggle with that sort of thing as well?
1: Oh yes. I, and I, I still struggle with that. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a better place now than I was as far as being able to recognize kind of like some unhelpful thought patterns I get myself into and some like tug and pull, um, because I have relational trauma now also, like I have caregivers fatigue, which is kind of like PTSD from their PTSD type of thing going on. And, um, and so getting myself help and then recognizing and giving myself compassion, um, and then being able to, to c- talk about it with my husband, to be able to talk about it with my kids that are, that would be appropriate to talk to with. Um, yes, it's so hard. I, um, for, and for a long, long time, like I just felt like I did a, cause I'm an extrovert. I did a lot of explaining to people that would would, because one of my children is very compliant in a very unhealthy way. So this child will like show up as like the model child and people will affirm that to this child, which is not helpful because I'm like, okay, this is a false narrative that's being presented to you and you are um, encouraging it. And I'm, and I felt the need to let them know that this was going on and, um, to just be, because it's, it's this murky waters, right? Like technically there's nothing wrong here, except that as the parent, I'm aware of what's really going on. And so then I have to, and it's, and it's murky and it's, and it's wonky because so, so much is not written. Even like we've been through a bunch of therapists, um, and the therapists, like, it's interesting to see how each therapist handles this differently. And I'm not sure that, that, sometimes even they have the answers because it's so challenging. Um, yep, I agree. Yeah, I so. agree.
0: I really want to come back to your phrase caregiver fatigue yes. because yes. holy moly talk, talk to
1: me about that. Yeah. So I, you know, caregiver fatigue, I think it's like a syndrome um, is when, and this can happen obviously for parents, but this can also happen for like elder care. So maybe you have um, a dementia parent living with you, or you're the primary caregiver for um, an adult or a grown child, perhaps, or um, more of a disabled person that you're providing care for and whatever age capacity they are. Um, And it's just, it's the load, right? It's this mental load. It's this emotional load, and you don't have a place to be seen and heard and, validated for what you're going through and it can get really ugly, right? Because there's resentment there when you're walking in this really draining place and you just want to have a break and you can't get a break because you're the only person that can care for this particular situation and no one else that you know of is cut out for it. And people are like, well, I'll take, and I'm like, well, you don't understand. I appreciate that. But if I give you th- this situation so that I can take a break, it will double back on me. And then I'll just be, you know, I might've had like an afternoon off, but now I'm going to pay for it for the next three days. So I'm just yeah. gonna... Yes. Right? And, it, and it's not just an afternoon off. It's
0: like, it, it's when I, the first thought when I wake up and the last thought, when I go to bed, what does this child need? Um, what, what could we have done differently or better? Awesome. Um, it's, it's, constant. But then there's also a little resentment there. Why do I have to be the person Mm -hmm. who is the only person who fully understands what my children need? Like there's a little,
1: there's resentment there. Do you Mm -hmm. see that too? Oh yeah. Bitterness was like, that was, that was kind of where I got to like my lowest was sitting around and realizing that all of my expectations for life (laughs) And like toss out the window and that this is my new reality and it seemed endless and dark and there was no way out. Um, and you know, sometimes people are saying there's no way out, but through, but I'm like, I don't know that there's like an actual exit through. <laughs> like, I think I'm just gonna be walking around in the dark forever. Um, and it, and it was just this bitterness to, and this desperation for relief and finally realizing like, I have to get back to me so that I can be there in a healthy capacity, at least for nothing else than just to model what it looks like to be a healthy human being. And at that point, I I thought I was until I got wrecked by motherhood. <laughs> and then I had to like rebuild it. Mm-hmm. And that that was a painful process. And that was very like looking at myself in the mirror and just not enjoying what I was seeing. But but just sitting with it, right. And being uncomfortable and doing the work and looking for how best I can rebuild who I am so that I am at least able to keep myself. I mean, we're all on the journey. We never really get there, but like to keep myself within like some healthy boundaries myself so that I can, you know, not look in the mirror every day and just be in despair. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. uh, Yes. I I like how you said, you know, you're trying to get to the exit, but like there's no exit. (laughs) There's (laughs) there's no, there isn't. And so, so many moms are in that exact place. Their next question is, okay, yes, I agree with you. Um, I'm drowning and I'm not going to make it. I cannot do this like this for the next (laughs) however many years I need a change, but how? Yeah. And I don't even know that I certainly don't have that answer all the time. Like, what is the how
1: when you don't have an exit? I know. Um, I'm not, I'm kind of, I get there myself too. And where I have kind of gotten currently and, you know, it's always a process is I have to release the outcome. I I have to, because I want my children to leave my home qualified and prepared to live a healthy life. I don't want them repeating the generational trauma and patterns that were before them genetically I don't want them to repeat any negative things that I've you know participated in in, in my parenting um you know we all do our very best but sometimes our very best is not very good <laughs> it's just the best we could do at the time I think um, healthy parents and and parents who are really working at parenting always have good intentions and motivations. Um, but sometimes we just aren't able, we don't have the tools or the like mental and emotional space to be our best versions of ourselves when we're parenting. And we have to learn that compassion. And then just acknowledging that this human being I am parenting and that I love very much is perhaps on a, a journey of hardship. Um, and my job is not to control because I can't, they're a different person. But to do what I can to be there and support them, and be okay if it turns out very differently than what I hope for. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, not very encouraging, is it? <laughs>
0: well, no. And it's 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 absolutely giving my dog a b- bone so she doesn't bark at us. There you go. Oh, nice. um, I appreciate that. <laughs> Mine's in the backyard, hoping for the same. Right, right. Mm-hmm. If it's not kids, it's dogs and whoever else. Um, oh, gosh. Um, I, I think it is, it's true. What you're saying is true. Moms do get stuck somewhere along in that journey. For, for many moms, they're stuck at the beginning, taking the first step towards giving themselves what they need. Uh, mm-hmm. Some get stuck in the middle because it's taking so long and I still am not happy truly i'm not happy i'm i'm miserable but i know that i need my child to be happy and healthy and so i'm trying to do everything i can but i just can't get my own mental health there in that spot um that's that's the hard part it's the getting there um and it seems like i mean it's 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 always good to hear someone who is kind of there, or at least further down the line, um, yeah. you know, for inspiration, like this is possible. It is actually possible to feel better about yourself as a mother of neurodivergent kids. Um, yeah. so t- tell me about your business as well and and what you do.
1: Okay. Um, so that's really where my journey to, I don't know if we say recovery, but it feel, I feel like I'm on a healing recovery journey of self because there's scars and wounds with just, having to to be the, the bearer of all the brunt work, right? All those meltdowns, all those moments. Um, so uh, my business is called the 90-Minute School Day, and it's uh, kind of to help bridge parents who want to try to home educate their children. There's a lot, a lot, like a lot. I don't have a statistic for you, but... A lot of children who are home educated are home educated because they're neurodivergent. They have left the school system because it was just not working. And then they get into homeschooling and then they find out that's not working. And before they go back to school, they're, they're willing to try something else. They just don't know what that other thing is. And so that's where I come in because of my own experience. I did the exact same thing, withdrew from school, finding the same problems in a different way at home. It's not working out. What do I do? I know that this is the answer, but I can't quite get there. And um, for me and the parents that I help, it's through like child-driven or self-directed natural learning and just operating that way rather than school at home. And this works really well for neurodivergent children. It also works great for neurotypical children, but neurodivergent really because they're neurodivergent. They think differently, and the school system is not really set up really well to support neurodivergent kids, um, even with accommodations. And depending on the school district and how informed they are, and how much they've got going on, you're a teacher. You, you can speak to this even better than I can. Um, it, it, it's there's a variability on the amount of help, and it depends on the kid. And so. Um, That's what my business does is it's just to kind of like get people over the hump and so get them from the traditional school mindset into self-directed learning at home with their kids. Mm
0: -hmm. This is awesome. I love it. Um, I'm completely in agreement about the school system and and all of that. And that's a whole deep dive that we could get into. Um, one of my, the, I want to hear more about it, but, but my first thought is what about moms who are really concerned about this. And I know many who have pulled their kids to homeschool for that exact reason. And they're concerned because of caregiver fatigue, because yeah. it's already hard to have them home, mm-hmm. trying to regulate, help them, you know, co-regulate and, and the hours are long. Mm-hmm. And so having them home all day, every day seems unbelievably daunting to some moms. Mm-hmm. So what, what would you say to that?
1: Yes, uh, heard and uh, totally appreciate that. Totally. Um, so when you're in that place, you can't think of it like a lifelong commitment. This is, hey, what is, cur-? you know, so let's say this example mom is has her child in the public school system and that's not working. She She thinks it sounds like maybe something to try. She's overwhelmed. She can't imagine actually doing it. So she dismisses it and continues with what is not working. And so the thing is, is like, okay, like, let's just, let's just get neurodivergent here with our thinking and consider other options. Homeschooling, what is that even, let's do some research and then let's set ourselves up for success. Like I'm very big on, I have the right to change my mind. We can try this. And if it doesn't work, we could just go back to public school and, you know, try a different avenue within public school. But like, if you think about, um, natural breaks where you're with your kids, like in the school year, so spring break, Christmas break, um, the summertime, then, you know, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? That's going to look more or less like homeschool, especially if it's self-directed because you're not sitting at the table trying to get little, it's not like your homework sessions after you've been at school all day with. within your nerve divergent comes, kid comes home and it's like melting down. And you're like, but we have homework, which you could opt out of by the way. Um, but you know, like I've got homework now you've got to make them do homework. You're already kind of homeschooling, but now you're in control. And that's kind of the big, that was the big thing for me. I don't know about you, but like, um, instead of trying to control my child, who's like out of control, if I can just control myself and offer and then be calm myself, be able to regulate myself and then offer them some co-regulation that works. And then, and then collaborating with them and empowering them to self-advocate, like this is all stuff you can do in homeschooling. Cause like the academics aren't as important as your so- social, emotional, and mental health. You got to get there first. And then, you know, intellectual stuff that can, that will come, but you got to kind of baseline that first. So I would tell them, Hey, just come home and just like, you know, get in your PJs and cuddle up and just work on relationship and rebuild that. Cause it's broken right now.
0: Oh, so good. And I completely agree. Um, gosh, did you, did your kids try public school at all or? Yep.
1: My oldest was in kindergarten and first grade. Mm -hmm. And then we pulled her for second grade for the reasons of attachment. And then I, I did school at home and uh, my out of the box kid took them out of the box of school and then put her back in a box curriculum. That's what I did. Don't do that. If this is your story, (laughs) just get that part. But, um, yeah, so we, we, she was home for second, third, and fourth. And then in fifth grade, she went back to public school and then she's been home ever since. So sixth, seventh, seventh, eighth, and she's in ninth this year. How did fifth grade go? Um, it's funny. It's funny. Like for me, I enjoyed fifth grade for the break. Like that's where I was. I need a break. Um, for her, it just reinforced the negative behaviors that we were trying to get away from, um, and it was a review, like she knew everything. Um, and I, I pulled an IEP on her that year also. And that went, that didn't go anywhere because they just sat there and argued with me, which there's nothing worse to do to a parent who's like, Hey, I'm here to get my kid some help. And they're just like, you crazy. There's nothing wrong with your kid. I'm Like, Oh, thanks. That's, <laughs> and that's not what they said, but you know, that was kind oh, yeah. of, the...
0: <laughs> Oh yeah. It's the vibe. Certainly. The vibe
1: um, is so condescending. I'm like, I'm not sitting here just spinning my wheels and yours for like fun, right?
0: This is really what I wanted to do in my free time. Yes. Um, <laughs> so you needed the break, you said, and she went back. Didn't mm-hmm. go too well. You pulled her again, mm-hmm. and 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 she's been home since, right? So when she came home again for sixth mm-hmm. grade. How did you change your mindset around the whole, now I'm not going to have a break anymore again. Now I'm in it. How did you get past that feeling?
1: Yes. So, you know, there's been, it's kind of, nothing is ever like for me, at least it's never been like a switch. I really wish for me, I could have found the switch, but I haven't found it yet. It's been like slow shifting. So um, early, like, from the get-go, I always had a quiet time, even on the weekends. Um, when I first became a parent and she was in kindergarten, it was all day kindergarten. She would come home and she would need to crash. Um, but then it, I heard a podcast somewhere. And so we started with a two hour quiet time. And this was when she started homeschooling. So two hours in the afternoon, it's just like, she is quiet somewhere and I am quiet somewhere and it's healthy for both of us. And so I had that break. Um, We had, we, we then kind of uh, over the years and I'd have to really think to when we did quiet hours in the morning, but that was another time where we just had this, like, everybody needs to have their own time to be themselves and you can come and, you know, talk to us if you need to or whatever, but this is like self-care basically. Um, So that was one thing that was helpful, but then it was really changing my approach to her learning and, and letting off the control from me and l- allowing her to drive her education. Um, and that took, that was just, that's kind of started in second grade when we first pulled her slowly. Like I let go of spelling tests right away. Um, but it was, it's just like a process. And my, my uh, middle child was in a Montessori preschool and I was learning a lot about Montessori and just so curious at this peaceful atmosphere, these little kids could maintain And so I just like falling down the wormhole there and and starting to modify my approach with Montessori. And there's different educators like Charlotte Mason that helped me again, like child driven. And then I met John Holt and like, you know, finally it all kind of synced up in my brain. And I was like, this is, it makes so much sense. I know this is going to work with her personality. And so she's totally self-directed right now. And it's, uh, it's been really, really, really great. And that's where the 90 minute came from. It was just like, that's a framework for my brain to be able to make sure, because, you know, you, all I, all homeschooling parents are always like, am I doing enough? Um, are we falling behind? <laughs> I mean, any parent, really, because you're kind of wondering this in the school system too. Yeah, sure. yeah, totally. I
0: feel like this, this is leading into a really great conversation about homeschooling your children in a way that your neurodivergent children in a way that allows you to keep your sanity and to mm-hmm. keep your a confidence in yourself as a mother and mm-hmm. because then you sort of feel like oh I'm an educator and, and it, the lines yeah. get funky um yeah. tell me about the 90 minute concept
1: yeah okay uh real quick before i dig into that i love what you just said because you, it's like the parent feels like they have to be be an educator in the sense like you have a teaching degree you are like instructed in all things, educational theory and classroom management and everything. And you are fully equipped to walk into a schoolroom and teach how many kids are in your class, like 30 kids, something like that. Too, too many, too many, you know? <laughs> and so like, it's different when you're at home. And if you have like a teacher mindset with your own children in the home environment, like I, I tried that. <laughs> it work. So that's kind of like the segue into, I just wanted to like double down on like, amen girl, like write what you said. You're not, if you're a home a, a, a parent that's home educating, doesn't mean you need a teaching degree and that you're not qualified if you don't have that. Um, in fact, a lot of home ed, a lot of teachers who start home educating actually feel like they have to unwire their own brains before they start this. Um, so where the ninety minutes came from is I wanted to allow my children to be self directed, but I was still very concerned about gaps and falling behind and reporting because this is, it seems very nebulous. And I'm, I'm very like organized in my brain. I'm type a, and I was like, okay, I need a system. And so what it is, is it's simply like six simple pathways. And I use pathways because there's some neurobiology into this method. Um, and thanks to foster care <laughs> divergence, like you have to learn about the brain. Um, so, you know, they're just kind of like, it's a framework to look at your day and be able to know that you you did enough. And so you can kind of have it as a loose guide to offer your learning opportunities throughout the day, like a plan, or you can retroactively look at your day and it's reverse planning. You can identify where the learning happened. So the six pathways are, three of them are content areas, right? So our content areas are like knowledge acquisition. And then our three skill-based areas are um, our skill work, right? So, reading, writing, and math—you have to have those skills so you can teach yourself. And so, reading, writing, and math—you really only need ten minutes or less a day, especially if you've got a little kid. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a workbook. Like, you don't have to learn—you don't—you can learn math in a workbook. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can also learn math in the kitchen. You can learn math outside. You can learn math from reading a book. You can learn math from playing games. There's so many different ways to learn math, um, reading is just being in a literature-rich environment. And, you know, um, there's different approaches that you can do phonetics, which is kind of how most of us read. But then there's some kids that they are just able to see the word and they they learn the words and they work it backwards. And why are we trying to fit that child into a different phonetic hole if they can read this way? Why does, And it's the same with math. Like If they solve it correctly every time, then do they need to show their work? You know, but we have this kind of like school mentality like, yeah, you have to show your work. I have to be able to grade you. Well, if you're at home, why do you need a grade? You know, we're not trying to like show progress in that sense. Um, Sorry, I'm kind of getting off topic, but okay. So, reading, writing, arithmetic is three ways, 10 minutes. And then the other ones are content areas. So, that's where you're just like exposing your children to ideas. And that's where science and Geography and geology and history and um, language arts and um, music and art appreciation, like all of these larger subjects, they're all they all feed into each other. So in these three pathways, I just break it up to how it would feel in a normal home environment. So one is an activity. Like for our activity yesterday, we walked downtown and we voted. We had so many great conversations about democracy. It was like our little civics class and poli sci. Um and so that was our activity and we spend 20 minutes a day and that helps me as the parent manage my time. So they play and do their thing all day. Like my two my my big one is at her um internship right now and my two littles are out in the yard just having a good time right now. So when we get into a rhythm and a flow. Um and then the third um so that's an activity pathway, reading aloud. So we just read aloud for t- about 20 minutes and we just sometimes it's like a stack of picture books. Sometimes it's a chapter book. Sometimes it's a podcast. Sometimes we watch a YouTube video. Like it's just something we do together. I do like it to be reading aloud because it's that literature rich environment, but everybody's different. And then the last pathway, the content pathway is morning time. And that's just where you build your family culture and focus on character values. And, you know, we read a lot of fairy tales and folk tales and we're a family of faith. So we read the Bible. Um, we might do, sing songs or do an art composer study. It's kind of like everybody's fun time and it doesn't have to be in the morning. Like last night it was in the evening and we were like scrolling on, we did a day in the life. So we were like watching <laughs> all these other homeschoolers in this day in the life that my kids really love because it was fun to see into other people's homes.
0: Mm-hmm. I love this. I have to say, so during, during COVID, my twins were uh, in kindergarten and my son is neurodivergent uh, and he thrived at home thrived. He's, he's gifted and he's got anxiety and ADHD and all the things. And his meltdowns went from six, seven times a day at max 10 out of 10. And they immediately dropped massively. Yeah. And it was because we were home and life slowed down. Anyway, during that time, that's when I changed. I did some major work on myself and what do I want my life to look like? And I heavily researched homeschooling. Um, I followed uh, all kinds of fun homeschooling um, accounts on Instagram that probably some of the ones that you're thinking of. I I, might, they also went to Montessori preschool and they absolutely thrived there, especially yeah. my son. I looked at Charlotte Mason. I did all the stuff. Um, I love the idea of unschooling, uh, student-led learning, mm-hmm. strengths-based approaches. All of it is like <laughs> my jam. And then I didn't do it. And yeah. then I didn't do it and COVID was over. I hadn't started all this stuff yet. I went back to teaching and sent my kids on to school where he is masking all day. He's very well behaved, but he is masking. Yeah. He is bored. Mm-hmm. Um, And I know to this day, to this day, that his academic needs are not being met and still I send him. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear people like you, I am just like, oh, it has eaten away at me for years that this concept especially a quick 90 minute day sort of thing is exactly what he would want and need and yet i'm not doing it so that's that's my own issue my question for you
1: i'm is, not here to like oh no
0: <laughs> oh i know
1: i'm i'm inspired yes. i'm inspired no
0: I, and and i don't feel that way at all there's no you have found something that works for your family and so why not share that with other yes. people who are looking for what works Right. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's where my heart is. I was like, I was just dying, dying, dying on the vine for years. And then finally this started working and I thought, oh my gosh, this, this might work for others. And so we, we tried it out with a few friends and then I realized that this is working. This is helping people. So yeah, that's, it's the same as what you're doing, right? There's my dog barking. Um, sorry about that. (laughs) I don't even hear him. Okay, (laughs) good. Um, so yeah, like that's, that's what you're doing. That's your work too, is like uh, giving validation and support and like, Hey, if it's not working, it's okay to quit. Like, it's okay. Yeah. You can yeah. always go back to it. You don't have to, this is not lifelong. It could be for like a month. It could be, yeah. you know, you can take them out and put them back in the same school year. You don't have to, you know, you know, you need to give it a good old college try, um, yeah. but college. Um, but yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. But well, Mike, I guess, so when I think about those,
0: accounts on Instagram that are homeschooling accounts. I can think of four off the top of my head. I still look at their stuff. They have the, I know it's social media, so take Mm -hmm. that with a grain of salt, but there's these most, the most beautiful curated activities. Mm -hmm. And even if, even in all an unschooling and the kids are out Mm -hmm. in the woods and there's pretty music in the background, you know, and everyone's just having like the best time and they're in the cute outfits, like the whole thing. And I have thought, okay, I know that my son would thrive, but at the same time, do these children not melt down? Are They, they must not be neurodivergent. They must not. Yeah, no, no. They How do you down. do this with neurodivergent kids specifically who don't want you to tell them what to do, who don't feel like doing um, a read aloud, who, who just want to play video games or whatever? How do we manage this with neurodivergent kids?
1: Yeah. So it's kind of consent based. Like for instance, um, if like yesterday's a good example, we were reading a read aloud and my daughter was like, I was, she was like, I offered her her math. She's like, Oh yeah, I haven't done my math workbook." And then she's like, I don't really want to do it. It's like, okay, that's fine. And so some days she'll, she just binges her math. And so she'll just binge. And then, you know, some days it's been a long time and I offer it and she might do like one page or whatever, um, but she, she had changed that. And I was like, well, I'm going to read. And it's just sort of like, this is what I'm doing. And I've, I think this, so it's this book on Helen Keller. I'm going to pick up this book and it's about this blind girl and she couldn't hear. And all of a sudden my little four-year-old's like, I want to read this. And so I just start reading to her. While then the eight-year-old is like just kind of swinging out the trees and kind of nearby and she's listening, or if she's not listening, that's okay too, because I'm offering it. And someone is listening. And if the other ones aren't listening, that's okay. But it's amazing. Like the one you don't think is paying attention, (laughs) it'll show up like the next day, or it might be a couple months later. And then all of a sudden they're having this in-depth conversation. You're like, I didn't even know you were in the room. And they maybe they weren't, they were just somewhere in earshot doing their own thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's more of just kind of like continued offerings and it's okay. Like I pick up books myself all the time that I'll start and I'll be like, not doing it. Like I'm going to just find another book. And so I think that's kind of where, um, I, I, I love neurodivergency because it's not all doom and gloom. It certainly feels like that. I'm not here to not say that, but I think we're all like highly aware of how hard this is, but sometimes it's like our nerd, like my little PDA -er is like making me work so hard on my own boundaries. (laughs) all the time. And I'm grateful for it because I'm getting really good at it. (laughs) And I need that for myself because like PDA is like boundaries on steroids in a way. I mean, I know it's like deeply rooted in anxiety and there's problems. I'm not trying to dismiss that, but she's super helpful and she advocates for her position. And this, is these are all things that we want in adulthood, but it's not acceptable in children for them to just think differently and say no. And yeah. So anyways, that's not really answering your question. So yesterday, um, we were reading and then, then they were just done. Like they had moved on. They were off. One of them went inside to get scissors and they were trimming the grass. And so I realized like it had been about, I don't know, 15 minutes and I just closed the book and I was like, you know what? We'll pick it up again later today or tomorrow or the next day. And it'll eventually happen because I've released the the thirty-six weeks and the five days a week and the you know I have to have math every day like that's all school and that's how school operates and if your kid's thriving in school that's amazing good for you Um, and if they're not then you know maybe they don't need to do math every day or maybe math is all they want to do so like let them so good so
0: so it's not like you're uh, and I say this jokingly but you know gather around children <laughs>
1: bring over your mugs of hot cocoa. I tried that let's read I tried together. That. Yeah, it doesn't I, work. It, that's not real life. And, no, if, and, if, and if and if maybe it is for someone, it was, it's certainly not for us. Like our house is a mess. We have to, I have systems because I get uh, dysregulated with like clutter. And so, and we just talk about it, like, this is what we're doing now. And we all do it together. And that's helpful too, because when you're at home, you're able to be in charge of your schedule. You may not feel like you have control over your kids, but you have control over the schedule. So you can like, back off things, or you can schedule things, and then you can cancel things. So if you're having one of those days and you know it, you know it by 9 a.m. If you ha- are having that meltdown day, you can just opt out of the activities mm-hmm. that you might have had planned.
0: So fascinating. So one of my concerns as I've started my own business stuff here is like, well, if I was to do this, even if he's only actually going into content, workbooks, whatever, for a short time, what the heck does the rest of the day look like? And how on earth do I get time for myself? I mean, you did talk about the quiet time. So there's that, but just, do you find that, I mean, is your entire day dedicated to either actually working with them and doing activities? But then if you're not, are you thinking about, okay, well, next week we should do this and we'll try this. When does your brain get a break?
1: Um, That's a great question. So it always looks different for everyone, but like this is kind of where I am this year and this is what's working. And this is more or less how we were last year. Cause as they grow and develop, you just adjust like that just is just parenting. And that's kind of what homeschooling is just kind of like, you know, parenting on steroids, but how I operate is we have a very strong rhythm. So between lunchtime and mid afternoon, those are quiet time hours. And so, you know, that's kind of where we are now. I gave them lunch. I sent them outside. Beautiful day. I know that as soon as they get outside, they're going to totally lose track of time. (laughs) I don't know what they're doing, but no one's come in yet. I was like, come in for emergencies or bathroom. That's it. And so it's just laying those boundaries, right? And they know I'm having this call with you and they, they understand that. Um, But this is where they are today. This is um, like my daughter who is in the school system. I had to deprogram her because, and she still to this day kind of wants to get like, well, tell me what to do. And it's this mentality it's this that's just in her to ask what to do next. And that's, you know, so that's fair. I've kind of put you in these environments that do tell you what to do and you just have to comply. And now I'm asking you to self-direct. Like they can't switch that fast. You kind of have to go through this time of deprogramming. And I I mean, it's called de-schooling and I'm still de-schooling. But there, there is like a time where you just like, we're not going to try to do anything except just connect. We're going to just get back to relationship with one another. We're going to figure out this rhythm. We're going to, I'm going to spend time watching what you do and helping you like kind of scaffold them. Like, okay, you know, Johnny. um, Yeah. I see that you're bored. I understand that, you know, here's some materials. Here's a couple options. Like I had a list at some point for my daughter of like options for her. So she could go there. And sometimes one of those ideas would kind of trigger, um another thing is like there's this concept of strewing are you familiar with that so so strewing is just kind of like it's like a play invitation so you just kind of set different things out and they're like kitty cats where they yeah. just kind of come into the room mm-hmm. and they're like oh, oh mm-hmm. there's a there's a half done puzzle i gotta i gotta mm-hmm. come over here and start you know yes. suck them in <laughs> I didn't know the
0: term for it, but that's totally my kids. In fact, that happened last night. They're always hyper after dinner. They're bouncing off the wall. But last night, I happened to leave the book of library books we just took out right on the floor and a puzzle was out. Sure enough, they were quiet for like an hour reading and doing the puzzle. And yes, yes, putting things out where they
1: can see them, like in Montessori, and they put things on the shelves. And kind of like, you have to release your expectations of what you think they're going to do, because if you come over there and be like, no, 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 that's not how you do puzzles. Like then you've killed it for them and they're just going to walk away. Uh, but if you just kind of let it be open-ended, and you're okay with whatever they do with it. And then, and then you don't get personally attached to the fact that you like put something out there and they just like ignored it. Cause sometimes it's just the presentation of it too. It's just like, they don't understand what to do with it. Um, and they don't need to like, sometimes like my littlest one, she's very creative. So I just need to put something in her environment that wasn't there yesterday. And she's going to go over there and start playing with it. Yeah, but I- again, she's younger. She's more in tune with herself. She hasn't been through the school system. Yeah. Like my older one might need like a writing prompt. but you know, you can, and she's older too. She's a, she's a teenager. And so she's got her own projects, but like, that's what, that's what she does right now. She has all these big projects she's working on. And so there's like multifaceted learning in all these projects. Like she wants to have a bread and butter business. So she's constantly researching like bread recipes, how to make her own butter and honey butter is what is the current thing right now. And she has an, she has a mentorship and this is kind of the cool thing too, with like older kids and um, self-directed learning and being at home is she's out of the house. This is another way you get a break, right? Like she's out of the house two days a week because she has a mentorship at a local farm. And so she's out there doing her, learning all kinds of life skills at 14 and I have the break and she has the break. And so it's actually, and she's in an environment that's all adults. So she's not getting negative peer. um, Oh man. You know, like, it's just, and, but that took a while to find, we were looking for it and we were racking our brains and it took a while, but then all of a sudden one morning I was like, Oh, I know. And I asked this person, she thought about it for a couple of weeks and she was like, okay, fine. Um, And so it's worked out really well that she's in her second year of doing that. I, oh. My
0: kids would love that.
1: It's so my daughter,
0: the twin of my neurodivergent son, she's got anxiety and, and some OCD stuff, but she wants to be a baker and she's always practicing cake recipes. Um, She wants to work in animal shelters. You know,
1: yeah.
0: I, 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 so, oh gosh, it just hits me every time I talk to someone doing this. It's like, this <laughs> is what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I, yeah, I think though, so my kids now they're in third grade and they have been in school. If I were to take them out, my daughter, first of all, would be devastated as she is the stereotype of a teacher's pet, Um, yeah. you know, loves to fold her hands and wait to be told what to do. Yeah. Um, I imagine bringing them both home would be so sad at first for them thinking about their friendships.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What do you suggest for that for kids who've already spent that time in school and made the friends and all that?
1: Yeah. Well, I would talk to them about it. Like, and you don't have to necessarily bring both of them home. Like, um, you, you said like, you've kind of feel deep within you that maybe your son would thrive in a home environment and and kind of directing his own education. And maybe your daughter could, she, she's probably able to thrive in both. It kind of sounds like she could do either or. Um, and so like maybe having the conversation with them and just kind of like just seeing and, um and then maybe offering it for a short period of time, especially as we're coming into like the holidays, it can be like, Hey, Christmas break, we're gonna like, you know, maybe try this out. And, you know, just and just having these conversations and, um you know, maybe connect them with some homeschooling families. I don't know if you know any in your area, but just kind of like exploring the idea. And I remember as a child, like I wanted to be homeschooled in those middle school years. And my mom was like, no, you and I would kill each other. <laughs> and she like kind of feels bad now. She's like, not, I had known I could homeschool like this. Because yeah. <laughs> back then it was all like, you know, you bought you were really boxed curriculum only. Yeah. Kind of oh, way. yes. Yes.
0: But that's what a lot of moms say, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, about their neurodivergent kids. Yeah. I can't because my child already is, mm-hmm. is so defiant, so many meltdowns. There are I, I can't even get them to put shoes on. Not to yeah. mention have them come do reading, writing, science, math, whatever, rinse and repeat. There's mm-hmm. a major fear there about compliance. Even if it even yeah. in a de-schooling sort of way, don't you mm-hmm. think that I mean you you said you established so many routines, which is my dream to be that way. That's what I want in my home, you know, from 12 to
1: three, it's quiet or whatever. But how did you do that? Like, have yeah, to make you happen. eat that elephant one bite at a time. You know, yeah. like it's like get one plate up in the air and start spinning it. Then you got to like get the other plate in the air. And that third plate, once you start spinning that you're feeling really good about yourself. And then they all come down and you got to pick them back up and put them back on the sticks again. Like it, it, it is a process, but it's like each time it, it, you know, any kind of learning curve is not A direct line up, like it's up and down, up and down, up and down, but you are making progress and you are climbing that mountain. And it's just about having a supportive community, which you've built. It's beautiful. of other parents and just being able to support one another, you get that affirmation. Um, and then if you've got pair like now, um, because I've gotten away from the like top down homeschooling approach, I now have a beautifully vibrant in-person community of like self directed, or even if they do curriculum, it's they're very loose with it. And it's very eclectic. Um, And so we get together with them sometimes only once a week. And sometimes we get together twice a week. We're on a chat together. Um, There's so much online community with like, um, I love the people who are like, drinking tea, and everything is beautiful and wonderful. And maybe they just have like a whole house full of neurotypical kids. And this is working beautifully for them. Our house is messy. I have someone who never has shoes on. And now that we homeschool, I'm just like, whatever, like we just take those shoes in the car. And if you want to go into the store with me, you need to put the shoes on. And if you don't, I thankfully have a 14 year old who will sit in the car and you guys can like read books. I'll go into the store and you don't ever have to take your shoes off. So it's all about like learning how to like moderate the environment and freeing yourself to like be different. Like Mm -hmm. you've got a different kid. It, you know, your kid's going to be naked all day. That's fine. You're at home. They can't put clothes on. They can wear a bathing suit and go out and play in the snow. The neighbors might judge you, but I'm over it. Like I'm just yes. <laughs> yes. You just I hit the nail happy. on the head.
0: Yes. <laughs> Our kids are different and freeing yourself to allow the structure of your home to be different as well. That's yeah. that's huge.
1: Um and em- oh, embrace their my- differences. Like it's they're cool. There's like yeah, we all dwell on the negative with neurodiverse kids, but like your little ADHD deer is like an amazing spatial thinker. They can pay attention to so many things at the same time. Sure. There's this like, you know, um, executive functioning (laughs) that's in play, but they're going to get the skills through living life on how to work with that. Like my little ADHD are like She and I sit down, we try different things. She doesn't know that she's different because she lives in this environment that affirms her. And so that also takes down the meltdowns that takes down because you can just release the pressure. Like, okay, um, you're just a little, you know, in my head, I'm thinking you're just too wound up right now. I can't even imagine taking you anywhere. And, And so a lot of times I won't even tell them that I have some great idea because it's just like, I can take that back off the table if we're having one of those days. Um, of course, sometimes they need to know what's going to happen. So it's kind of doing that dance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It makes it makes so much sense to me. I can really picture it. Um, gosh, what did I want to ask you? When kids are, <clears throat> you first start this off, um, you're going to have that defiance, that pushback. Um, how do you take confidence in knowing that your kids have learned enough, that they are Um, getting the skills that they need? How how do we know that? Because Mm -hmm. as a teacher, I mean, I kind of have a guideline, but only because I taught for 15 years. If I hadn't, somebody said to me, fifth graders need to know X, Y, Z. If they learn it, then check. They, they, they've done fifth grade. How do you know that if, if, or a mom, if they've not been in a classroom setting?
1: Yeah. So like, dig into all the resources, dig into, um, John Holtz works. He's got great books. How children learn is an exceptional one. Um, if you're not a reader or you don't do audible books then dig into some podcasts, um, and then, you know, get, get the help you need. Like if this is something you want to do and you want to jump in, but you want to like shortcut the line, there's a bunch of great homeschool coaching. I do homeschool coaching for that very reason, because that a lot of the times is a confidence check for mom where she's sitting with me or dad, um, where we're sitting together and she's like I don't think they're learning anything and I'm really concerned. I'm like okay let's sit down. What happened today? Right? And then they we walk through the day and then I'll be like look this is what happened today. They they've learned so much. And so you talk through like the learning that's happening in play that we we devalue because society doesn't value play but as you know as an educator play is like the best way to learn because learning happens when we're emotionally regulated. And this isn't really important for everybody, but especially neurodivergent kids, if you're not regulated, you can't learn. You can maybe retain some information to spit back out because you're working out of your amygdala and it's like fight or flight, but you're not going to retain that long-term into your prefrontal cortex where you're like storing information using your executive functioning skills. And like your limbic system is your emotional part of your brain. That's like helping move up or down. Like, it's like, I call it like the stoplight, like green is up front. That's your like self-control and you're and you're chill and you're cool and you can learn and you're in your frontal lobe. Or if you're in your midbrain, you're emotional. So you're maybe starting to see that meltdown coming or if it's that time of day, you know, and you're like, oh no, we're in the meltdown zone and we're not set up for success. <laughs> and you know, you can you can bring it when it's there, you can bring it back up sometimes, you know, when you co-regulate with them, if they're in the yellow, you can bring them back to green. But if you're still in yellow and it's going down to red, you know, okay, then you need to just be like, they're melting down. Let me get some peace <laughs> so that I can offer these strategies. So it's again, it's just like getting the help you need. It's okay to ask for help. Therapy is amazing. Sometimes you just need a life coach. <laughs> you don't need the therapist.
0: <laughs> Completely so. agreed. I so cool. Gosh, you make me really want to jump right in. And you said before about like Christmas vacation coming. And I'm thinking that's a great idea. And honestly, during COVID that granted it was a couple of years back, but they, I, I was enjoying being home too. And I would set up little like, Hey, today we're going to do a craft. And I would write it on the whiteboard and they were like, what are we doing today? And, and there's some pressure there though, feeling like I have to always have these cute ideas, these Mm -hmm. fun adventures when sometimes I am tired and I just don't want to do this. (laughs)
1: Yeah. it will just ask them like my eight-year-old wants to build a fire today. She's been asking for a fire for like three days in a row. So I said, Hey, this afternoon, it I, I want that to happen for you. And if it doesn't happen today, it will happen this week. Right. And then like that will keep her busy for a long time. We'll just have a fire in the backyard. It's a little warm today. So I kind of don't want to do it, but she not, wants to do it. Yeah. That's so fine. Or she wants to bake. And sometimes it's like, and you can get them so that they can be independent. Like She's pretty independent in the kitchen. Like she, there's some boundaries around things I'm not really totally secure on from a safety aspect, but by and large, she she cooks really well. So does my four year old because we've been able to spend the time and it's like little things. It's not like hours long. It might just be like here, you're going to make grilled cheese with me, and we do it five times, and then they've got it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they can make uh, it themselves.
0: Yeah, that's my daughter too in the kitchen. Um, and she says, you know, I want to bake on the weekends and some, and, and I, I. I have no good reason besides. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed by. Mm-hmm. She's very good and and um, and can do a lot of it herself. But I'm overwhelmed by the thought of needing to be on mm-hmm. as I'm around to make sure she doesn't need things, and if she needs help, and something's built, and this and this and um, it, I guess this is a me problem. This is really <laughs> this is not my kids. <laughs> this is me. That's um,
1: always forgets, doesn't it? I hate it when that happens. <laughs> all right. Ah.
0: So let's say a mom is listening and Uh she wants to try what I'm about to try. I think I'm going to do it. Christmas vacation. What do I do? Where do I start?
1: You just start by being mom. Just like live your best Christmas vacation. Um, What do you like to do? Like when you think about Christmas, Christmas is so loaded Um, or just the winter holidays. Like we all have like all these expectations that we put on ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. So just like make sure, first of all, as much as possible, clear the debris field, like give yourself time um, to do this. So like say no to the extra parties or say no to attending little Johnny's um, rehearsal that you don't really have to go to, or, you know what I'm saying? Like clear it as best as you can. And then think about what you want to do. So maybe you like to just cozy up and watch movies and drink hot cocoa. Maybe you like to do puzzles. Maybe you're a board game person, you as mom, And then like, sit down and just ask your kids, like, what would you like to do? You know? And it's amazing how simple the requests are. (laughs) It's like, will you play with me, like playing with kids that can get kind of triggering right there. Like, oh gosh, that's intense. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times they just, and they, and they don't necessarily understand time. So if you play with them for five or 10 minutes, like that has filled them up and they're good. And then you can go about your day or like something like, you know, if your daughter comes to you during Christmas break, like, mom, I want to bake today. And you're just having a day where you're just like, (sighs) and I, only reason I'm going to say yes is out of guilt. Don't say yes. You say, honey, I love that. I'm not available today, but let's get our calendars out and find a time to do this. And we need to get supplies anyways or something.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So make sure that you have things to look forward to. And it's fun for you. Cause if it's not fun for mom, like I'm, we're, we're learning medieval history right now because I want to learn it and they are either paying attention or they're not. And I didn't think anybody was paying attention, but we were like refreshing up on like Nero. Cause I'm kind of like a history person. And, um, and I was asking like, do you guys remember who Nero is? Cause it's been about a week since we picked up the books. And then my four-year-old goes like, yeah, he killed his teacher. I was like <laughs> he did? Like I don't remember that. So I went back and fact-checked her and she's right. He did kill his teacher. So it's just kind of like, you know, you a, a lot of this is just trust. It's relational and trust. Enjoy your kids, do fun things together, read and then at the end of it, you know, at the end of each day, just write down what happened. And you're going to start to see the learning just from that keeping a journal or keeping some notes or keeping some pictures on your phone. You just review them and take some just a few minutes to kind of marinate with it. And you're going to see the learning. It's amazing.
0: I, I agree with that. And I, I always said too, that the, the learning is we're not homeschooling. Right. But when my kids um on a weekend, whatever, they're in the backyard and they've discovered an anthill and whatever <laughs> they are learning. The learning is they're always learning. Naturally yeah. kids learn just, just existing. Um, yeah. Is that enough? Mm -hmm. for fitting into society down the road i I know in my gut the answer is yes but i also know that so many people would question that as a teacher teaching fifth graders millions of things so much trying to cram in their heads in one year and now it's like child
1: led but is it enough Mm -hmm. i guess yeah. It's an answer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the the answer is enough. Like, I don't remember what I learned in fifth grade. I remember my teacher. I remember some of my friends, but if you press me on something that I learned that year, I have no idea now it's in there somewhere. And, it, and I, I'm sure I built on it in sixth grade, seventh grade, but like most of my learning that I have retained throughout my traditionally schooled background was because I was either interested in the subject myself which is self-direction. So I didn't necessarily need it because it was just like presented to me. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole on this. Or it was based on relationship. And like, I had a teacher that I adored. And yeah. because of that relationship, I absorbed more of the information. Yes. And that's the same for homeschooling. Like they're not going to retain if you sit there and you, tr- and you're like doing school at home, homeschooling, you're doing all this extra work and fighting with your kids. I've done this. So, like I've tried it. It doesn't work. They don't retain the information. you learn a lot. <laughs> yeah, but but they don't. and when when they're passionate about something, like my daughter is writing a book. My eldest is writing a book about the uh, a horse and the Lewis and Clark expedition. And we did read several books about that several years ago. Um, but that just captured her imagination. So she's doing all this research. She's doing all this reading to make her book accurate. Because she, this is something inside of her that has captured her. And really at the end of the day, we just want our kids to know how to learn. And they're going to know how to learn. Just like you and I, we read all the self-help books. We read all the parenting books. We listen to all the podcasts. They're going to do the same thing. Like they're going to, if there's a gap and there's always a gap in education, no matter how you're schooled, private, public, homeschool, whatever, there's gaps. And if they need to fill it for a job or something that they want to do, they're going to fill it. Mm -hmm. And we don't want them to be like, um, having like a bad complex about themselves. Like a lot of neurodivergent kids think there's something deficient in them. No, like if your kid is getting that kind of complex, seriously consider, um, you know, some kind of avenue to rebuild their confidence in the fact that they are uniquely built for some really cool thing that we don't even know is happening yet down the line. Like, I love that so much. biodiversity of our brains, right? Like they're here for a reason and they're gonna do big things. Yeah, We just need to support them.
0: And we need to believe that too. We need yes. to believe that too. We, we have to, to we have believe, to believe that. that in order for <laughs> them really to be really dark believe
1: or back in the dark.
0: Right. Right. So uh, quick question. Well, I guess it's not that quick, but what does a typical day in your house look like? Walk us through um, a typical weekday.
1: Okay. So, um, well, today's I'll t- talk you through today and I'll talk you through yesterday. Um, since today hasn't finished yet. So yesterday, um, was kind of a busy day because, it was election day. So I had to fit that into my day. And then I had agreed to do this day in the life for work. So those are the two anomalies, but we all wake up and we just kind of like do our own things in the morning. That's our rhythm. So everybody's it's quiet hours. And so I'm reading my husband's reading. We have a crazy new dog. She's being crazy and disruptive. So this peaceful morning was a good idea. And we all tried to redeem it throughout the morning, but it was constant interruptions. Uh, I did a little bit of my reading. I ate breakfast. The kids have snacks. They're playing with Play Doh. And then they went upstairs and we're doing Calico Critters. And then they were, my four year old started writing. My 14 year old's playing her violin. My eight year old is back downstairs with the Play Doh. Like it's just all like my husband went on a run. I get dressed, have the dog in my room barking. You know, that's our morning. Sounds like any other family. And then around nine o'clock, that's a date that I have with my girlfriend. And we go walking and exercising, and the kids go to the playground. So she and I are having like our like, adult time. <laughs> the kids are on a playground. They're getting movement and sunlight. They're getting regulated. I'm getting regulated with my girlfriend that lasts an hour. And then traditionally in our home, like that is the time where now I'm spending with the kids from when that walk is over until lunchtime. It's like my time with the kids. And so I might have an idea of what I want the day to look like. And I talk to the kids and some days they're like, yeah. And some days they're like, well, what about if we do this? I'm like, well, why am I tied to the outcome? Sure. We can do that. So That's how I run our home now. Um, I was more structured. I've been kind of unstructuring myself throughout this whole de-schooling over years. And so yesterday I I had to vote. So I was like, hey guys, we're going to get snacks and we're gonna go um, walk to vote. We talked about voting. And a friend of ours was like, I'm doing positive picketing. Can you and the girls come? And I thought, is this something else for my day or is this an opportunity? And I realized this is an opportunity. So I was like, Yo. So they did a sign before we went to vote. We jumped in some leaves on the way to go vote. We talked about why voting is important, how our country is set up. I vote. They watch me vote. Then we go with our signs and we positive picket for 30 minutes with our friends downtown. Love, kindness. Be nice to one another. Love. We're listening to like reggae. It was fun. My eight-year-old wanted to stay. She didn't want to come home with me, but the four-year-old was starting to melt down because it's lunchtime. So we packed up, left. Um, then one and an unnamed child, um, got into a meltdown tiff with mom. And so we had that go down and then we had some sibling squabbles cause we had overdone it. Right. It's always like you thought, you thought you could time it well. And like people are hangry. <laughs> so we had our like fun mental breakdown aspect of our day at lunchtime yesterday. And then, um, the cure for that is to go back outside in my family. So like we all went outside. That's when I started feeding. And then my teenager had a job raking leaves. So she went to rake leaves. We read, and then it was quiet time. So I'm going to work. And they continued to play. Their friends weren't at school, so they are playing all afternoon. And then um, there was orchestra practice for my eight-year-old. We won't go into today because this is taking too long. Um, Orchestra practice for my eight-year-old. And then um, my four-year-old and I read a bunch of books and we played like card games where she's counting the cards. Um, the, the shapes and the numbers on the cards and then uh, we came home we picked up and then it was screen time for them until dinner we ate tacos taco tuesday and then bedtime we instead of reading we just like surfed the day in the life and that was our day wow sounds like a normal day right like, it, like it does. So where was the learning what did you do for school
0: <laughs> do you, and do you get that to that point are you like oh gosh we didn't do enough
1: today um Yeah, Earlier in the process, I did get to that, but that's where the 90 minutes came in. So like, I can like tell you that, like, so the 90 minutes on my day, I just described yesterday is okay. First thing is morning time. So our morning time was actually in the evening and it was dinner time. We had lovely conversations about elections and what all went over our day. And then we did the day in the life and we snuggled and it was just great. So that's like character and connection. So that was our morning time. In retrospect, um, our activity was walking downtown and voting and doing the positive picketing. We did do reading aloud. We read the Helen Keller um, and and one other picture book together. And then um, I did a lot of independent reading with my little one while my old while well, my middle one was doing orchestra. So I read to her, I don't know, maybe probably like four or five picture books, about 20 minutes. And then I did card games with her because I usually take books and card games when she and I go to drop her middle sister off um my oldest learned about economics and she got her physical activity and raked leaves um so you can hear like reading writing math morning time activity that's it that's the 90 minutes and it's enough and it's different every day it's great and that's great for neurodivergence right it's like different and the dopamine
0: yes okay i could talk to you about this all day but but i won't oh I just, I just, it just reaffirms every time I talk to someone about this, that, that I think that my kids would really thrive in this way. And I have to get to a point where I let go as a public school teacher, former, that I let go of what schooling is and Mm -hmm. and see it a different way. So what do you do and how can people work with you?
1: Okay. Um, So I help parents make this jump. And um you can find me online at 90 minuteschoolday.com. I'm also on Instagram at 90 minuteschoolday School Day. And I'm on Clubhouse. So like please come to Clubhouse if you want more of this. It's free. It's an app. It's like a live podcast. And I have a room every Monday at 1 PM Eastern. Nope. Sorry. We just changed the time. 12 p.m. Eastern. And um It's just that's just a community too. like for homeschooling to just like get these questions answered and to listen to other people's stories and topic based. And there's replays you can listen to. So that's how you can find me. Ninety minute, 90 men's school day on Clubhouse. They didn't have enough characters.
0: I started on Clubhouse as well, and it was great. Um, I haven't been on for quite some time, but I, I did really enjoy it. I should yeah. head back
1: over there. I should <laughs> have you on. Yeah. I should have you on Clubhouse. We should we could talk about neurodivergent learners. Yeah, oh, I
0: would I would love to do that. My last quick question for you as a business owner is how do you fit enough time in your day to run a business? Because that would be my biggest concern. Yeah.
1: I need people. I need yeah. I need a bigger staff. Yeah. Um I I have, um, found the best success for me is when I wake up early in the morning in those quiet hours before people wake up, but neurodivergent kids, they wake up early. So that is one strategy that I can kind of get. I plan Monday through Friday to try to get up early. And then if I can get two or three days that week where I can get in flow and there's not disturbances, that's a great window. And then quiet time in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then just, um, My husband works from home. So I have like a day, like Thursday right now, it has been Saturdays, it's Thursdays right now where I have the entire day where I just work and he takes care of the kids. So that's, that's a luxury I have with like him working at home and being able to set his own schedule also. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I used to work on Saturdays. So that would be like something for, you know, if you have more of a a traditional, your partners out of the house Mm -hmm. during the week. Mm -hmm. Kelly, this is amazing. Thank you for this
0: push. I think I'll try something over the Christmas break. <laughs> I, I didn't break. know I was
1: coming on here to push you. <laughs> I didn't either. This and is you, you,
0: you didn't—you didn't purposely push. I—I I need this. It always feels good for me to hear it. So uh, thank you okay. so much. I, I'll probably—I would love to be in touch and um, yeah. just tell you about my, our own journey and how this goes. Um, yeah. So let's be in touch. Thank you again for being here. I—I I really appreciate it.
1: All right. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so great.
0: Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website ontheharddays.com and click on Schedule a Call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at OnTheHardDays with dots in between each word, or in my free Facebook community, OnTheHardDays Podcast and Community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.